Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Us as Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Marty Elliott, and today we have two guests. Our first guest is Mike Bullard, former NHL player, general manager, and head coach of the Caledonia Covers of the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League, and also Jimmy McNeil, the Iceman, Zamboni Driver of the Year, 1999, and author of the Red and White Zamboni Ice Machine. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. How you, I'm how great. you doing, Zamboni? <laughs> <laughs> Doing fantastic, doing fantastic. Well, let's get this started. Gentlemen, got to ask, how did uh, both of you meet each other? I'll ask you first, Jimmy. Well, uh, actually, years ago when uh, Mike played his junior hockey in Brantford for the Brantford Alexanders, uh, he probably uh, wouldn't remember me a whole lot back then because he was young and he was uh, making his mark in the world. Um, I used to help repair the Zamboni at the Brantford and District Civic Center that... Uh, where Mike played his home games out of and kind of came into contact with them then. And years later, uh, as I was working at the Civic Center for the city of Brantford, I uh, ran into Mike as uh, one of the coaches for the uh, the, the now defunct uh, Brantford uh, Junior B Hockey Club, or the Golden right. Eagles, yes, because they're not defunct, but um, they were the Golden Eagles at the time and uh, began, you know, hanging out with Mike and the team and, Mike uh, actually offered my young son a job as a stick boy. Oh, fantastic. Hey, Mike, what uh, what uh, what brings back memories of uh, meeting Jimmy? Well, it's it's funny because uh, Jimmy was the ice man. Uh, you know, he, when I was junior and uh, you know, I was 17 years old, started in Bradford. I mean, you know, you you get a lot of friendships in that. And, I, you know, I've always had a kind of a friendship with Jimmy and Jimmy's kind of stuck around and, He's got a son, Jake, uh, who, you know, we started as a stick boy, but now Jake is uh, director of player personnel for my hockey team and, you know, a very, very intelligent kid and does a really good job. And now he's working for us uh, on the Indian Reserve, which is, uh, I know Jimmy and his mom are happy to see him get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fridge stays a little fuller, does it, Jimmy? <laughs> oh, you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, so I was talking to our, our uh, media coordinator for our podcast, uh, uh, Ben Frinstein, and I asked him, uh, Mike Bullard, uh, is that the gentleman who's the comedian? Uh, what's he know about hockey? And Ben goes, no, I think this is a different Mike Bullard. And then I went, oh, okay, okay. But Mike, I got to ask you, there's probably a story you want to share about uh, the comedian Mike Bullard. I don't say it on podcasts. I guess you could say anything, but so... The other Mike Bullard, he's gotten himself in a little bit of trouble over the oh. years with sexual harassment. So my mom, who's 86 and alive and sharp as a tool and everything, she's everything. And uh, she's reading the ticker in the morning and it says, Mike Bullard charged with sexual harassment. Well, my mom calls my sister and says, what has your brother done now? And I'm <laughs> Like, really? Like, I'm your son. I said, you know that's not me. She goes, I know. She said, I panicked. I saw Mike Bullard. So, <laughs> you know, I, I've been on Mike Bullard's show in the past. And you know what? He was very, very successful. Very funny. I, I've met the gentleman. He's he's really funny. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's like anything. Uh, you know, you could be the hottest thing on the radio or TV and bang, the next day you're not. And, and that's kind of like, what happened to him? I, I don't know if it was his, his off-air attitude or anything like that, but he just seemed to 
get the fun. But very nice gentleman. I played in a lot of golf tournaments with him. And, right. And fun. You know what? There you go. So, hey, Mike, are you still playing hockey right now? I tell you right now. Uh, well, not right I, now, of course. But up to play. But uh, a good friend of mine is Dr. Anthony Galea, who's probably one of the top sports doctors in the world. He's out of Toronto. And uh, I went and tried to play with the boys there a year ago, and I was looking good there. After 30 seconds, I felt pop or something else. And another hernia. So I, uh, my buddy, the doctor, and he says, do you take advice? I said, I definitely would. He says, the dream's over. I said, what uh, do you mean? The dream's over. I said, I don't understand what you're talking about. He says, bully, you can't play anymore. He says, your body's beaten up. It's done. Every time you make a move, you might pop it. He says, quit trying to impress the young kids. It's not going to work anymore. So my dream of hockey playing were over. Yeah, sometimes we have to recognize that uh, we can't do what we used to do, and uh, even though our passion is still there, but uh, good on you. Hey, Jimmy, I'm going to pass but, it over to you. I think okay. you got some questions for uh, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, as far as the kids go, now Mike depends on me to back him on all the stories that he tells about the old days uh, when he w was a superstar. So I remember those days very well. But uh, um, Mike, actually, I, I'd like to start, you know, myself by welcoming you to the podcast and uh, and congratulating you on a uh, something I was uh, reading the other week about how you helped uh, raise some uh, big money for the uh, Caledonia Food Bank as well as the Six Nations Food Bank uh, that speaks volumes of your character when you know you start to see things like that a fellow like yourself you know very uh, strong in the community uh, supporting and, and very caregiving and that's why people look up to you and I you know, proud to say you're my friend. I just, uh, I think it's a wonderful thing you got going there. So uh, um, if you want to just, you know, take a mention yeah. what it was, I, I don't know how you want to handle Jimmy, that I, one. No, I don't think you've told you guys. With that, with that, the way you talk there, Jimmy, you can also be my agent. Uh, <laughs> uh, say like, uh, you know, it, it's easy to give back to the community, uh, you know, the, the two gentlemen that uh, I I work for, Ken Hill and uh, Jerry Montour, uh, give me the opportunity to uh, to do stuff like that. Uh, you know, we put a we put a golf tournament together in a week and raised twenty thousand dollars for the, the food bank. And uh, I think my uh, my best one was uh, last year when all that happened in the Bahamas. Uh, they wanted to raise some money and, and Kenny said, well, there's only one guy that can raise money and it's bully because he can talk to anybody. And, uh, and, and in less than 24 hours, I raised 150,000. Wow. Uh, you know, that uh, Kenny and Jerry had donated to the Bahamas plus a lot more than what they've done. So, you know, I, I, I learned a long time ago, uh, you know, my, my dad who's uh, passed away, uh, you know, he always told me one thing. He said, uh, Remember, you know, we, we, we didn't come from a lot. We, you know, we grew up in the projects and I was going to be that kid that was going to make it out of the projects. And my dad always says, remember where you lived and, and, and always take care of your friends around you. But my dad said one thing. He said, you treat the people going up the mountain the way you want to come down the mountain. And, and you know, I live by that. Uh, I, there's not many players that I coach. Uh, you know, I, I have a different 
I have a different way of coaching. I, you know what? I coach personalities. I, you know what? You can't, talent will always come up front, but you got to know every kid's personality. And, you know, if a kid comes in and he says, hey, homie, or something like that, you got to go with it. You can't, you know, you, these kids nowadays, it's not like when we grew up. I mean, they're different. The kids are completely different. And, you know, you just you just got to go with it. And, and, and when, if you don't go with it, it's going to be one tough time. And we've been very successful. And, and, and the returning of players is because not only the way we treat them, but, you know, how I've become a lot of friendships. And, and, and my biggest thing, Jimmy, is, is when it's all said and done, and I got hockey players that I coached five, six years ago, and, you know, one good example is Brandon Montour, who plays for the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I took him out of nothing, and he was a very shy kid, and I put in a C, an A on the sweater and, and just told him, he says, if you ever want to make an NHL, you got to open up. You got you can't be so shy, and, you know, the rest is history for Brandon Montour. He's playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely. that was That's a good example, a real good example. So. Well, that's awesome. I have some old, I have some really old guys, my trainer, there's Razor, who's, you know, you you work with, but we're a family down at the rink and and, and that's the way we want it. It's an open door policy. And, uh, you know, we want kids when they come to play that not only are they playing hockey, but they got a great experience in life. Yep. And that's so true of the organization and the leadership that's uh, provided. That's bang on. Good one. Good for you, Bully. Well, uh, Marty, uh, do you have anything you yeah. want to? You know, I got to add to that, uh, Mike. Uh, how uh, how close uh, to the vest that is? We had a uh, we had a podcast, and our guest was Todd Reynolds, local out of Paris, Ontario, president of the uh, Uptown Hockey. I'm sure you know who uh, Todd is, uh, an agent uh, for some of the big players right now. And his mythology was exactly what you just said. Um, it, it treat people as you want to be treated. Um, it's all about family. Um, you know, t- just a mirrored uh, uh, comments from Todd yesterday. So it's great to uh, hear you speak of that. And, uh, you know, uh, we all have to grow up. Yes. And uh, but our mentors uh, that we look up to. Uh, don't uh, do as I do, do as I say kind of attitude. No, you have to do as I do, so you lead by example. And it sounds like you're doing that every day with your young fellas. So good on you, uh, Mike. That's great. You know, kids nowadays, you know, you got to put it out there. Like, there's no beating around the bush. You know what? Uh, And, you know, my motto is, is, you know what, guys, if everybody comes and works hard, everybody plays. Uh, You know, I'm a pretty fair coach. And you know what? I, I, I don't like to have guys sitting in the stands because you don't learn from that. And, uh, you know, and, and ours are a team that there's a lot of pressure to win. And, and, you know, I have to take that pressure away from the players and make them have fun. And that's what we do as a team. I mean, Jimmy will tell you, I go into a dressing room there and before a game and I might not even talk about hockey. I might tell a story that happened to me when I played or something like that. And the players will just look at each other and go and start laughing and go, wow, really? You know, I mean, it's stuff like that because the game's changed. Uh, You know, to get 20 guys, their attention span in one room at the same time is no chance. No, unless they're gaming on Fort and playing Fortnite, 
But anyways, exactly. that's 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 a topic for the future. <laughs> let's uh, hey Mike, let's uh, walk back uh, down memory lane, and uh, and I'm gonna bring in my co-host, another co-host, uh, Doug Peters, uh, our regional manager from the United States, our California plant. Yeah. Doug, why don't you chime in, and uh, perhaps you can ask uh, you have some questions you want to ask Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Not too bad. It's a pleasure to meet you, uh, Mike. I've got some ties uh, back to the NHL, not uh, me personally as far as playing, but my dad was the chief engineer for the North Stars uh, back at Met Center for the first eight years. I think that you came into the league uh, post his time there, but uh, do you have any good memories of uh, playing at the Met Center? And uh, did you ever ever hit up the... The Thunderbird Hotel across the street uh, uh, from the Met Center. Well, and we also got our team got kicked out of the Marriott on New Year's Eve because of the party. But you know, it was funny because those two hotels are like the Thunderbird was right across the street from the rink, and you had to take a taxi because it was so damn cold. So you couldn't walk across the parking lot because you you wouldn't thaw out for the game for about two periods. Like it's cold. Like everybody, they say, oh yeah, I said, no, it's cold. You just don't understand. When you're in a suit and a tie and you got to go to the game and you're thinking, do I walk and wake up and get a good fresh air or do everyone that does that, they're done for the first period. They're still frozen. Yeah, there's a, a bit of time. And, and unfortunately the Thunderbird's gone and, and that had, uh, um, a bar there that uh, I don't know in today's political correct uh, state that we live in if that would go and the wampum money that they had that uh, they would give out uh, I don't think that would fly very well either but very no, interesting was, place and time bar, uh, I know that uh, it was an automatic stop for every NHL team that came into Minnesota uh, you know, you didn't go anywhere. There could have been the best bar in Minnesota, but no, the guys went to the Thunderbird. That was automatic. And uh, that's why we didn't like to stay at the Thunderbird because there's a rule. If you stay at the hotel, you can't drink at your hotel. That that bar was definitely legendary. And there was a time when Billy Martin, who was the manager for many teams, including the Twins and the Yankees on several occasions, got into a fight with a marshmallow salesman. and uh, when Billy would come to Minnesota afterwards, they were chucking marshmallows at him to to try to see if they could raise a little ire in him. Uh, did, did you get a chance to uh, play under uh, Bob Johnson, um, or was that too late? I had Bob. It was funny how it all happened. Uh, I was playing in Pittsburgh with his son, Mark, who had come from the Olympics. and uh, And what happened was is, I got traded to Calgary and Badger Bob was the coach. So I go there and he calls me in his office first day and he's got a big piece of paper. And he says, bully, this is what they're saying about you. He says, I don't care. And he rips up the paper. He says, you got a fresh start. He leaves. I look at the paper. There wasn't a thing on the piece of paper. It was blank. I said, you know, good try, Bob. But one of the classiest men ever meet we got beat one night in, in Quebec pretty good we didn't lose a lot of games with Badger in Calgary and my parents were outside waiting for me after the game and I got nailed in the game 
And Badger Bob, he comes over and he says to my mom and dad, he says, wow, did he ever get clocked, eh? And, I, and my dad goes, oh, did he ever? He goes, ah, you know what? So he lost. He says, you know what? You can't win them all. But it, it's just, he never was a negative man. Like, he probably brought, uh, I tried to explain to a guy the other day, actually, because Badger Bob came up. He's the one that probably started where he made the assistant coaches actually work and you know he had a plan and the assistant coaches had to carry out that plan and badger bob was just he was really smart on the bench he did just a classy guy he, he was a great guy he's got uh, ties to um real good friends of my mom's and he was also the coach at the high school that i went to uh, just a few years before i got there uh, I might add, but uh, what what a great guy and great rivalries growing up in Minnesota as a kid uh, between he and Herb Brooks and some of your philosophies sound a lot like uh, Herb Brooks, where you understand what uh, buttons you need to push with each player. I think I think that's a bit harder today. If you yell at a kid right now, he'll shut it right down. Gone. Those days are over. You know, I love watching Tortorella coaching Columbus. And everybody thinks he's crazy and that, but you know what? He's smart. He's intense. But you know what? He gets the best out of every player. And if you don't want to give it the best, he moves you. And, and you know what? He's moved pretty good players. You he know, demonstrated. Like, he demonstrated that, Mike, with uh, Dubois in the Leaf uh, in the Leaf uh, five Dubois, games. He just needs a kick in the butt once in a while. Yeah, and it got caught on uh, on television, but what a what a turnaround for him. Yeah, like and you see, like I I love watching it now and, and seeing the coach in the suit, uh, sweatsuit, uh, sweatsuit. That's old school, and, and you know it's funny because you know he torches in all about facial expressions. Uh, you know he, he's never happy until it's over, and, and and you know what? But I talk to any players that have played for him; they love him. They absolutely love him. Yeah, he's crazy, but you know what? He he weeds out guys that don't want to put pay the price. And you see how Columbus plays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, lost by one in the fifth overtime, or the fifth. Uh, yeah, I guess it was the fifth overtime or fifth period last night. They could have uh, could have won either way. Going back down memory lane with you, uh, with with you, Mike. I mean, let's talk a little bit about uh, your career. I mean. Ninth overall, 1980 draft. Um, talk about the draft. I mean, how old were you, and uh, where were your th thoughts at? Who was your mentor coming into that draft? Who did you look up to? Uh, maybe you can share with our guests uh, a little bit of history oh, on that. It's funny because I, I was rated the, the third best forward in the draft. Uh, Denny Savard was ahead of me, and Doug Wickenheiser, who ended up going first overall to Montreal. Mm -hmm. I actually went fifth overall to uh, Washington. And uh, I don't know what happened there, but, you know, I went to Pittsburgh, who was looking for a defense, and, uh, you know, I went down the table, and, you know, my first year as a rookie, I scored 37 goals, and I never got a vote the rookie of the year at all, not one vote. <laughs> so, wow. you know, that's how, that's how the media was such a big thing back in the early 80s. I mean, Pittsburgh, we were averaging 65 people before America, and, uh, you know, uh, Mario doesn't come to Pittsburgh. There's no team anymore. They would have been done. Yeah, and we're. It, it was, 
And to hear yes. your name, I think I was more excited for my mom and dad than I was sure. for me. Uh, you yeah. know, I knew it was coming. I was a cocky young kid. And, and uh, you know, and I just said that, uh, you know, I was disappointed going to Pittsburgh because if they wouldn't have took me, L.A. had the next pick, and I probably could have enjoyed L.A. <laughs> Perhaps the, the weather's the weather's great out here. The taxes aren't so great, but uh, uh, it, it is a great place to play and be anonymous. Uh, at least back then, it would have been. Yeah. So uh, you went to Pittsburgh, Calgary, St. Louis, Philadelphia. Finished your career with the Maple Leafs. Who are t- say you would say your top three mentors were coming through the league, uh, Mike? Well, you know, Wayne Gretzky, yeah, we're the same age. I mean, if you don't look up to Wayne, you know, you, you, there's something wrong with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was a big Wayne Gretzky fan. Uh, I mean, my favorite player of all time is Bobby Orr. Uh, right. I had the pleasure of meeting him many a time. And uh, just an absolute class individual. You know, and it's funny because growing up, one of my favorite players was Terry O'Reilly. Because I was a big right. Broom fan. And and so we played Terry O'Reilly in the game, my first rookie. And after the game, I asked him if he could sign a stick and send it over to me. Well, he did. By the time we got back to Pittsburgh, and I went in the stall, grabbed my stick, the boys cut it in about 25 pieces. <laughs> so... And I was like, guys, someone cut my stick at Terry O'Reilly. And they all laughed. said, come on, Rook, you don't do that. You're in the show now. You don't ask someone else for their autographs. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. But, I, you know, I'd say Bobby Orr was everything I wanted to be, uh, you know. Uh, and then Wayne and I are the same age. And, and just watching how we executed himself on and off the ice, uh, you know. That was my problem is, is I uh, I kind of like the off ice a little too much, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it caught up to me. Uh, that's why uh, I ended up leaving the NHL earlier when I, you know, I was probably on my way to Hall of Fame numbers and ended up going over to Europe and, and lighting it up in Europe and being one of the all-time scorers in Europe. But right. uh, it, it, it's, uh, it, I'm 25 years sober. To this day, uh, you know, I promised my five years old that I would never drink again, and, and I've helped. Uh, that's 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 a great story. Still t- uh, stay in touch with Wayne. Yeah, I see. I actually saw him at the Masters there a couple of years ago. We were walking there, and uh, I was following Dustin Johnson. I said, you know, Wayne's got to be here. So I went over. And I saw Wayne and shooting the breeze, and uh, you know, and Wayne said to me, he "Goes bully. If he'd ever practice, he'd be the best stall forever." Yeah, he just doesn't practice. Yeah, yeah, it's different, uh, different uh, mindset. So, uh, international play, World Cup, 1986. I tell you, I remember that uh, game-winning goal. Um, and you were, you were on that team. Share the experience of playing on the '86 World Cup team for Canada. You know what? It's it's a lot of fun because back then, when you when you played on the team, that means you didn't make the playoffs. So. <laughs> It was funny because, you know, you were still going to have a good team no matter what. And, and the biggest thing was is when we all got there, and, and Pat Quinn was one of our coaches, and, and, and 
And what happens is, is everybody doesn't understand that. They know they're going to bring players in, so the guys play their butts off to make sure that they don't bring players in because it's a kick in the face as an NHL player, other NHL player. Unless if I'm playing and they told me Wayne's coming in for me, I understand that. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's just the guys. Canadians have a mentality, and and you know what? The Americans have been picking it up in the last five, ten years. Is it doesn't take long to gel. You're there for a job. You got to check the egos at the door, and, and, and you know what? We're going to be together for three weeks, maybe four weeks. Let's make the most of it. And, and you know what? And I, and I think that's what you're seeing a lot in, in hockey now. You know, the junior championships and all that is players usually. You you have like you imagine playing against on the same team right now with Matthew Kachuk after playing with him the night before. Yep. You want to kill him, but you know what? As soon as you walk that door. He's a teammate now, and, and it's a hockey player can turn that off right away. Yeah, they they have the capability, the mindset to separate the two, right? Uh, what happens inside the rink, what happens outside the rink, uh, no question about it. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the European play. You mentioned you're the top scorer in the European uh, League. Uh, you played in Switzerland and Germany. Um, how was that transition coming out of the NHL, North America uh, League, uh, going tough. over to Europe? Very tough at the start because, you know, I, I come from the NHL and I was way ahead of everybody else. And, uh, you know, you can get frustrated uh, early. I had a coach that was ends up being a very good friend of mine, Bernie Johnson, who wasn't much older than I. And uh, he, he said to me one day, he says, you know what, Willie? Don't get frustrated. He said, these kids idolize you. So just have fun with them. Don't, and they'll work their butts off. They'll never have the talent you have. But they'll were, and then you know what? Once I learned that, and then I started enjoying enjoying my my time over there, then the hockey became easy. You know, I, when you think you're better than everybody else, nothing works out. So true, so true. So if you look back at that time over in Europe, um, did you actually see yourself as a mentor? Yeah, you know what? It's funny because. Uh, Everywhere I went, uh, you know, I was hated in a lot of buildings, and uh, you know. But once I uh, once I played on the team, I mean, it, everything changed. I, you know, I, I was a player's player, and uh, you know, I, I was one of those guys that I didn't yell in the room before the periods and that because I learned a long time ago that if you're going to yell, you better be the best player in the ice because you'll lose more respect from everybody in that on the team but uh, you know what i just went about my business and it was funny when i was over in europe because i was so much older like i played with i played with mark marco storm i saw marco Stern playing when he was 16 and bought him and told my coach bring him up to our main club so marco played with me ended up getting first rounder to boston uh and then uh san jose and then i played also on the line with marcel gotch when i was 39 old and he was 18 and it, <laughs> And you know what? It was a lot of fun, but wow. When the game was over, I was dead. He wasn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Age. It's all about age, eh, Mike? And I, and I, you know, and I, I want to believe that when they were all said and done, and I know Marco, I've heard him in a couple of interviews saying, that, you know, if it wasn't for Bully, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been where I was. Uh, you know, he taught me certain things to, to prepare myself for the NHL. And, and, and you know what? And people don't realize the biggest one is, I said, Marco, learn English. 
I said, wow. you got it or you're going to be in the minors. He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, head coaches in the NHL don't want guys who can't speak English. You have to speak English. It's not like baseball where you're going to have a guy sitting on the bench. What do you say? What do you say? Things happen too quick for that to happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, if I can help people any way I want, I mean, you know what? Do I have some black marks on my career? Yes. Do I have a lot of good things? Yes. Would I ever change? No. I had so much fun. And Jimmy can tell you, man, when I – when I get on a roll in a room with all my coaches and all the guys and I start telling stories, you know what? We just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes we uh, lose touch, if you will, with, uh, with the idea of having fun. There's so much pressure uh, on athletes uh, today. Let me talk, uh, uh, talk about that subject uh, compared to when you played Mike, uh, the pressures on athletes today. Um, what's your input on that with players that are coming up right now? A lot of money right at the start. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, guys are making, guys are making some crazy money right now. And, and, and you know what, uh, but they're, they have to take care of themselves. Like we, we used to get in shape in the summer. These, these kids never get out of shape now because it's a business. I mean, kids go on the road trip with, with a computer in their hand. We didn't, you know what right. I mean? Like, the pressure, I think it's more pressure for a kid to stay on the team and keep making that money than it is to anything and all that because there's always someone coming up. It's just the way that the sport is built right now. And, and you know, with salary caps, uh, you know, you might be that guy that makes $3 million, but, geez, it's just we need a guy $2.5 million. You know, you know what I mean? And, and, and it becomes more, hockey's more of a business now. Hey, Jimmy, let me bring you back into the conversation and maybe you guys can talk a little bit about what Mike's doing now uh, with the uh, Caledonia Coberts. Yeah, actually, uh, if I could just make a, a, a couple of points before we get there. Gotcha. Um, okay. Hey, uh, Bully, I just, one of the biggest trades you were ever involved in. Could you just give us a quick outline of that if if you got something on that um back uh from calgary to st louis who were the players that uh, they gave up so that you could go play in st louis well the, the big the trade was i just come up 106 point season and uh you know uh, i got traded it was more of a one for one really if you really think about it if you look at the yeah. guys in the trade it was dougie gilmore for me and, uh, you know, I went to St. Louis and didn't last long in St. Louis because Philadelphia was been after me for a long time. And they said, we got a shot at him. Let's get him now. And, uh, you know, but uh, Dougie Gilmer went to Calgary and they won a cup. So they made a smart move. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Philadelphia, they obviously, they paid homage to you by uh, having you autograph a, a hockey sweater for uh, one of the uh, – Goldberg episodes, well, uh, did they not? Uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, Goldberg, the, the, the show where he wears the Philadelphia Flyer thing. So Philadelphia called me and said, listen, uh, we'd like you to sign an autograph for Mr. Goldberg. And I said, why? Why wouldn't you not get Bobby Clark or something like that? And 
he went to his first Philadelphia game and his dad bought him my jersey and, and I was his favorite player and, and you know and he told me every time anytime in LA he says come on down to the set and you can see the show and everything and I, you know I've had a pretty good little personal friendship with him it's been awesome that's awesome <laughs> and then of course from uh, St. Louis you uh, ended up heading into Toronto uh, where they uh, were just kind of held on for future considerations and I think Toronto did pretty good because just a couple of years ago they signed the young guy uh, um, Austin Matthews I think that holding that card back to get Austin Matthews for you was a, a great deal so uh, what do you think about that? Uh, you know what Austin's a great player I mean you know, I, I don't think my uh, my time in Saint in Toronto was very good. I I loved it there, but the the coach uh, Tom Watt and I just didn't see eye to eye. And uh, you know, if you don't get along with your coach, you're done. It doesn't matter what yeah. sport you're. Uh, you know, he he needs to put someone out there. You know, he he didn't use me where my strengths were. I mean, I I, I was a power play specialist, and uh, you know, he just didn't feel like I could play on it. And uh, you know, he tried to kind of bury my well he actually did bury my NHL career but uh you know what I can't sit there and feel sorry I went to Europe and I played another 13 years so you know what my dad always said he said if you want to sulk he says how about the people that you grew up with that can't play at that level and I said yeah you got to point that so you know what that's the way your dad dad was a wise man Bully, uh, I, I have never met you, my friend. I, I've watched you uh, on TV. I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking the time to come on our podcast. Uh, it's been great listening to your stories. Um, I want to thank uh, Jimmy McNeil for joining us as well. Our co-host, uh, Doug Peters, out of our Paramount, California facility. And if, if you have a question for one of our experts or an idea for the future episode, please email your questions or request to the info at Zamboni.com. And for more information on additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com podcasts or ask our Zamboni experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is Marty Elliott. I wish you to have an ice day. <laughs>